0: One, I want to pray. I want to ask you to pray first of all for me, that that I won't be distracted in any capacity, that I'll be at peace with the doctrine that's in front of me, and that I'll be at peace to allow the Holy Spirit to to use me at whatever level a man or a person can be used of God, whatever level or capacity that someone can become the oracles of God. Then that's my desire today. Number two, I want to ask you to pray for your own heart, for God to cause your heart to be ready to receive the Word of God. That, you know, this is the analogy of Scripture that God would write on the fleshly tablet of your heart, the truths of His Word. Today, the subject matter that I've chosen to speak from is called miracle money. I'm going to define for you shortly what I believe that is. Money is one of the most controversial subjects uh, that's in the Word of God, that's in the Christian community, expectations that many people have in relations to Uh, money and the way the church should handle money the way that preachers should handle money the way you should handle your money Um, the the number one reason for divorce in america today is uh, financial issues pressures that fall upon people and and so it's i believe it's imperative that we become uh, faithful stewards of resources right that we learn to manage these resources that god's given to us doesn't matter whether you have little or much. You'll never have much if you can't manage little, right? That's a principle that Jesus taught. And and so no matter what expectation you may have had previously, I want to ask you to kind of shift away from that for a few minutes and let's just look at something and let's just ask ourselves when we conclude today, let's just see if we can believe that if there is really such a thing as miracle money, And if God, in His grace, can bless your life periodically at times when you're in need with something that you uh, did not necessarily see in the natural, but God just simply brought it to you because He's gracious. He's able to do those things. And I want you to be convinced of this by the Word of God. And then we're going to come down to the altar and pray. If you're at a financial difficult time in your life, a season... Uh, of, of transition or change or pressure that you may be feeling. And, and some of it may be self-inflicted. Many times our financial situations, sometimes it's beyond our control. Sometimes it was a, a job that moved away. Sometimes it was an unforeseen health uh, issue that we, we had not necessarily quite prepared for. And sometimes it's, the, it's, it's our excess, our passion for uh, excesses that's put ourselves in difficult financial situations, correct? But I'm telling you, God is merciful. God is gracious. You know, all the way back to the Mosaic law, God, every seven years, he delivered people from their indebtedness. And every 50th year, it was a jubilee. It was a year of liberty. Come on. And so, I believe in those principles today. And so whether or not you have adhered to all the principles correctly or whether you are just learning, I'm telling you, God can meet you where you're at, right, if you'll just meet him by faith. So, Father, I love you, and I'm honored to be in this room, deeply appreciative of all those that I look out over the congregation and see here today and blessed Blessed to have visitors, blessed to have my faithful church family, blessed to have Dr. Brassville in service with us today, blessed to have those that, uh, Father, like Mariah, that, that Mariah the Brave, that are facing great challenges, and, and, and yet she's here today, God, and, and, and some are here out of financial distress, God, and they're coming to you, they're looking for something today, they need something, Father, and we're going to believe that based upon the Word of God, that we're going to walk out of here with a faith in our heart in your ability to meet our needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. It's in His name we pray. And everybody said, Mm hmm. You can be seated and thank you so much for your reverence and standing at the Word of God, and to which we'll be reading here in a few short moments. If you'll allow me to just briefly take you on a review of where I have taken you over the last three weeks as I have preached. A series of messages, and I've addressed the tithe and most of the time when I'm preaching about financial responsibility to a believer. I don't necessarily use the tithe. I believe in the principle of the tithe. I practice the principle of the tithe, but I usually use more of a New Testament term of giving. But I went ahead and just uh, just connected to the Old Testament reference of the tithe because I believe in that principle. I've shared with you over the last three weeks of what I believe is the place of the tithe. And the place of the tithe, I believe, is where God has placed you in the body, right? That wherever your fellowship is, to ancient Israel, it was called the place, Deuteronomy 12. The Lord said, you can't do as every man does right now, which is what's right in his own eyes. But when I bring you into the land, there's going to be a place where my altar is going to be at, where my, where my house is going to be, where I'm going to commune and meet with you. That's the place that you bring your tithe. I believe in that principle. I don't believe in giving my tithe to a televangelist. I don't believe in giving it to even to missions. I believe in giving my tithe to the local church and trusting God to then bless me to give offerings to those other areas because everybody needs a place of fellowship and a people that they're connected to secondly i believe in the purpose of the tithe and i've shared with you many of the purposes it's not just one purpose but there's multiple purposes but certainly and foremost is so that you will have a pastor who could stand in front of you and teach and preach the word of god because we need to hear the word of god you need to be able to invite your family and friends and unsaved family and friends to come out to this house where perhaps God will add increase to the seed that you've sown in their hearts and their lives. Maybe this is the place where they're going to be harvested at. Maybe this is the place where the net sweeps in and pulls them into God's kingdom, right? And, and so we need pastors who have uh, separated themselves from the other workforces and made this their calling and their careers. We've sold ourselves out to ministry. Right? We left, like Jesus' own disciples said, we've left. Jesus' disciples left their nets and became fishers of men, and we have. And the Bible says that God has ordained that those that preach the gospel live of the gospel. Some are bothered by those statements. I'm not bothered by it. I learned to accept it and believe it because it says God ordained it. Not man, not pastors, not the assemblies of God. God ordained That's part of the purpose of the tithe and the purposes of the tithe are many and we also concluded in that second message by sharing with you many promises associated with the tithe such as God promising to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon us. Right? And on and on. And I told you I could have preached for several weeks on the promises that were associated. And last week we concluded by looking at Deuteronomy chapter number 26, which was the process of the tithe. Or this is how we do it, I said. Simply, this is how we give it. We give it because God gave. He gave the greatest gift that any, uh, that could have ever been given in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. He gave Uh, christ and his atoning blood on the cross and it creates joy in our heart and we remind ourselves that we were lost we were sinners we were unregenerate we didn't know god we were gentiles and now god has grafted us into the olive tree right we were strangers and foreigners to the covenant promises of god we were fornicators adulterers we were drunkards and drug addicts but god through his mercy found us Right, And he brought us into this covenant family of faith. And now, therefore, we have hope. We have the hope of heaven. We have the promise of a blessed life. We used to hate people, and we were filled with malice and, and discontentment, and we, were, and we were unsettled. And now God's brought peace into our lives, and we learn to love, and we learn to forgive, right? And we learn to rejoice at even the small things, even the little things. We learn that in him we live. And in Him we move, and in Him we have our very being. I'm going to give you just five quick nuggets before I just share with you what I believe about miracle money today. These are things that are a prelude that are very important. It's foundational in the context of, of, of uh, believing God for miracle money. Number one is you've got to learn to be content. Well, once again, y'all just shout me down when I'm preaching good here today. You've got to learn to be content with the things that God's blessed your life with. Every one of us have blessings that need to be counted, so to speak, that you need to look around. Maybe you're not where you want to be. Maybe there's still lack. Maybe there's still some things that you're needing in your life. But you've got to learn to be content with where you're at right now. Appreciative, thankful to God for even the little things. Godliness with contentment is great gain, the apostle Paul wrote. Jesus himself warned us uh, to beware of covetousness, always longing for something else. The apostle Paul also said, be content with the things that you have. So that's an important process. It's an important part of learning to walk in the blessing of God. It's just simply learning to be content, thankful for the grace of God. Thankful that, 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 you know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that it's better to just have a few crumbs and have a house of peace than to have a house full of feasting, yet it's filled with strife. Right? So it's better to just have that blessing and be contented. Come on. Number two, you've got to learn to manage your resources. I said you've got to learn to manage your resources. You have to purposely educate yourself. I'm telling you, the, 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 the public school system can teach economics, and they can teach basic things, but you've got to work. Listen, you were 15 years old. You know, you were just trying to get a good grade and get out of the class. But it's time to now apply those things. So you're going to have to go back and restudy, and you're going to have to also restudy it out in the Word of God so that you can apply God's principles to how you handle resources. The Bible says you can't serve money that money should serve you. Right? Bible says you can't serve God and money. You serve God and you learn to make money your servant. Oh, I'm just going to preach on. You've got to learn to make a commitment to tithe. You've got to start somewhere. It takes faith. It takes courage. It takes believing God to give you seed to sow. Sometimes you think, I don't have anything. Find something. Start somewhere. Borrow it from your neighbor if you have to, but Start somewhere that says, God, I want to be able to honor you because I see that as a part of my responsibility. I encourage you to limit your debt. Buy buy the books if you have to. uh, Buy Dave Ramsey. Sign up for JoJo's class. Whatever the case, start the debt snowball. But you got to get out of debt, and you got to start limiting debt in your life. About the only debt that you should really have is working debt. That if you need debt in order to uh, to function in your business, but debt for the frivolous things that we're caught up in, right? You got to get rid of that junk. You got to stop uh, putting those purchases. Don't go in debt at Christmas time. Come on, listen. If you got to go to Dollar General and buy your children a gift, oh well, right? I've watched children throw the gift away and play with the box. Come on and so just it doesn't matter just start somewhere and celebrate and limit debt in your life make quality purchase not impulsive buys on the credit card for things that will depreciate to nothing overnight that's where a lot of us get in trouble now one of the most foolish things and it's amazing follow do a do a google search on people that have won the lottery yeah while you go down there and buy and take your tithe money and buy your lottery ticket Because you think that if you just win that hundred thousand or that half a million or whatever you'll it will change your life go and follow the money follow and follow those people and see where 70% of them are at after all that came in and they buy all those frivolous things that 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 are gone overnight so make learn to make good investments learn to pray about it number three you got to learn to trust God Wow, I feel the Holy Ghost right there. See, God is a rewarder of those that will diligently seek Him. Right? Did you hear that? God is a rewarder. Now, Jesus even taught this principle about God being a rewarder. Now, listen. He said in this, He said, Don't give your alms openly in front of other people that people will see you and pat you on the back. He said, But don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. He said that what you do in secret, God will reward you openly. God will reward you learn to trust God God said in Malachi 3 prove me now prove the Lord's faithfulness one of the excuse me compound names of God in the Hebrew is Jehovah Jireh Yahweh Jireh, Yahweh Jireh he's a he's the provider of your needs so prove him trust the Lord let me just throw this one I felt like I should say it you can get mad at me if you want to but God is your provider not the government Let me just say that again. I don't care whether you're liberal or conservative, whether you're a Republican or whether you're a Democrat, whether you voted for Trump or whether you voted for Hillary, learn to not trust the government for your provision. Learn to trust God for your provision. Now, I didn't say there's not times that being an American citizen, that something good can fall and drop down towards you out of the government, but don't put your dependency upon it. Don't put the complete expectation. Trust the God of all grace to be your supplier and your provision. Number four, don't or number four, take control of your own life. Quit blaming everybody else who has some measure of success and wealth. Quit blaming them and quit thinking, well, we need an equality. There's never going to be an equality. I'm just going to tell you, there's never been and there's never going to be inequality. Jesus, you say, how do you know that? Because Jesus himself said, the poor you have with you always. He didn't say part of the time or if we can get this person in government or we can get this president or if this group. No, he said the poor you will have with you always. There's always going to be different segments in the world. And you can stay down here all your life and you can whine and you can complain and you can say, well, they got it and I don't have it. Or you can get up, shake your dust off and say, you know what? I'm going to trust God to make me more than I've ever been before. That's what you can do. You can become whoever God's called you to be. The Bible is filled with men and women that God just snatched out of poverty and put blessings on their life. And I'm going to show you some of those today. You know why? Because I believe in miracle money. Hallelujah today. No, I'm not in love with money. Let me tell you what money is. Money is but a medium of exchange that's all it is and so when I talk about it and I use the phrase money I'm talking more than just simply money I'm talking about provision see I'm telling you say well what is it Uh, listen it's number one before I answer what is it let me just tell you who supplies it God supplies it now God uses other people God can do use multiple things to bring blessings into your life Remember what Jesus said in Luke 6 and 38? He said, give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Listen, shall men, shall men give into your bosom. See, because you can be here and God can move on somebody's heart over here to bring a blessing to your life, right? And so, and when you do, when you receive that, you recognize God used a person, but it came from him, because all good things come from the father and so let me define for you what i believe miracle money is so when you hear me use the term miracle money it's not just the promissory note that you got in your wallet the promissory note that says that because you've got that in your hand you owe the federal government twenty dollars of course that's what it is you know that right but let me that's another sermon altogether but it's not cash it's it's beyond here's what it is it's beyond the ordinary normal provision of your life that's what i believe miracle money is what i mean by that is it might supersede it may supersede your normal income by divine favor or another source where god brings a resource into your life what i'm saying by that is is that it can be money but again money is but a means of exchange It might be cash, it might be gold, it might be silver, or it might be a sudden supply of a resource or a provision, but I'm still going to define it as miracle money. You say, Pastor, that's just foolish. I know it is, but God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the mighty. You say, now listen, Pastor, you're supposed to be preaching Jesus up here today, and I know Jesus wouldn't have any part to do with something called miracle money like that. Well, that's your ignorance of the Word of God. Because if you study the scriptures, you'll find out that Jesus himself performed 37 distinct miracles. Now, he performed hundreds of miracles that were grouped together. Healings, deliverances, they brought the sick at night. But there are 37 distinct miracles in his life, in his ministry. Of those 37, six were directly connected to provision. Six of the 37 involved the multiplication of fish and loaves. You say, no, pastor, that's not... What do you mean? What do you mean? That's not miracle money. People were out there in the desert, and they were hungry, and there was nothing, and there wasn't even a place to go and buy food if they'd have had money to get food. But one little boy, come on, had just a few fishes and a few loaves, and he put it into the hands of the master and the master took it and he lifted his eyes up toward heaven and he gave God thanks for what he did have. Not for what he didn't have, but what he did have. And he blessed it and he prayed and all of a sudden one basket became another basket, became another basket before 20,000 people ate, right? And God covered the bill. That's miracle money as far as I'm concerned. I remember when I read about Jesus, I love the passage of Scripture where it came tax time. It won't be that long. Have you ever had to have miracle money to pay your taxes? I'll tell you, I have, and I found God to be faithful. You say, Pastor, well, I'll tell you what, if you're a better... Well, Jesus found himself. You know, he was at Capernaum, which was a Galilean seaside city. Community was the, uh, uh, the the residence of the apostle Peter... And they had come to Peter and said, does your master not pay his taxes? And and Peter came in and talked to Jesus and said, well, you know, they want tax money. And Jesus went into a little teaching moment there. And and he said, you know what, Peter? He said, lest we offend them, here's what we're going to do. You go down to the sea. I know you're used to going out in a boat. I know you're used to, you know, being out at night and casting the net in. But this time, just take a hook put it on a line, maybe put bait on I don't even know if he put bait on it or not. He just said, cast a hook into the line or into the water. And when he cast a hook into the water, he said, you're going to catch a fish. And when you catch a fish, he said, you're going to open its mouth up and there's going to be a coin that's going to be just enough. Oh yeah, now Jesus is not into all that miracle money stuff. It's going to be just enough to pay your taxes and mine. Now, you say, well, did God miraculously cause that, that coin to appear? Let me tell you, here's what, if you study about that area, there's a fish in those Galilean waters that's got a pouch under its gills. And it's known to find shiny objects in the water. And so it's my belief that there was some pagan that was out fishing on the Galilean sea one day. And he may have even taken a coin and cast it into the water as a worship of some idol somewhere. And God took the wealth of the wicked and laid it up for the righteous. And before that coin could sink to the bottom, God sent a fish. You say, does God send a fish? You ask Jonah if God can send a fish. And God sent a fish that caught the coin before it hit the bottom. And it fell and held in the pouch right there. I'm telling you, God's got gold and silver for you held somewhere, just waiting on you to believe Him. My God, I feel that today. I believe in miracle money. You know, even at Jesus' birth, Jesus' parents were in Bethlehem, displaced from their home and their family, under pressure, found out that, that Herod was, was after them, and, and God brought magi from the east with gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh why not just to honor him as the king but because god was going to take him to egypt and he needed provision for the journey oh god dear jesus said nazareth and provide for them and i want to show you one of my favorites and i'm going to have to omit some of the things i've got so many here but let me just show you one of my favorites it's in luke chapter number 8 it's in the second verse and the third verse. Can I just, I'm just going to journey today for just a few minutes, and I won't preach super long, but my goal is to show you by the Word of God. By the Word of God. Did you hear what I said? That miracle money. Let me ask you, if you get sick, do you go to the Word of God and say, God, I see that you're a healer? Is that right? Well, then when you're in need, don't you go to God in His Word and say, God, you're a provider. Let me show you one that I just love, and you may overlook this, but I didn't overlook it. The Holy Spirit quickened this in my heart. It's in the second verse here. It says, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, their lives have been changed by the ministry of Jesus. Mary was called Magdalene uh, because she was out of the region or the city of Magdala, which is on the Galilean Sea as well out of whom went seven devils. And these women ministered. Look at this. They ministered unto him of their substance. That means they helped provide his, for his his well-being, his good, you know, that, mean, that meant they helped support his ministry. Does that make sense? Are y'all catching that? Now, remember, God ordained that those that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Is that right? But notice who the third verse said, and Joanna, who was the wife, and I may not say it correctly, Chusa, Chusa, Herod's steward and Susanna but notice this God chose to use Joanna who was the wife of Chuzza who was Herod's steward now you may not see that and think that's miracle money but let's see if we can put that picture together for a moment now Herod whether this is Herod Antipas which is probably is but if you follow in the scriptures that there were times that Herod would put pressure on Jesus' ministry. One of the tetriarchs would, and he would have to move to another region. And there was an ongoing conflict, and even verbal conflict. Remember what Jesus said? You tell Herod, that fox. Remember that passage of Scripture? There was ongoing conflict. Herod is appointed by Rome. He's the, 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 the son of Herod the Great. His kingdom is evil, and his, his steward is Chuzza. Then if you don't know what that means, that meant that's the man that managed Herod's his assets. That meant that Chuzza got his income from Herod's resources. <laughs> oh, my God, I don't know. Lord, I think I'm so far ahead of them today, I don't know if I can bring them with me. I'm going to try to bring you with me because I want you to see how God can take the wealth of the wicked and provide for the righteous. And so, Chuzza is the steward of all of Herod's resources. So, that means that Herod pays Chuzza out, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, and so you forgive me if it's pronounced (laughs) Chuzza, and so, because that's hard to say when you're preaching up here, Jojo, (laughs) Chuzza, and it may be, but let me just say that. And so with this passage of scripture here, so Chuzza is taking care of Herod's assets and Herod is paying him from his resources, some of which he has illegally obtained, sometimes by heavy taxation. And so Herod's wife gains the resources, or not Herod's wife, Chuzza's wife gains the resources of her husband and she gets healed by Jesus And so she said, my God, I'm going to support that man's ministry. And so she's got Chuzza's checkbook. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Ain't that something to run about? And she's writing a check to the ministry of Jesus from Chuzza's resources that he got from the wicked Herod. Right? And now Jesus is going around preaching the gospel and Herod's paying for it. You can't tell me that's not miracle money, glory to God. That's miracle money. God is able. God is able to do these things. When I read the word of God, I found that Jacob gained Laban's cattle at conception. Laban had had took advantage of him for many years, and God said, I'm going to make it up to you. And God began to cause the blessing to fall upon Jacob. Time omits me. Or for, will not allow me to share that, but one of my favorites I got to just share a couple of these, and gosh, I wish I could preach for another hour today because it gets in my heart. I'm telling you, God is able. Come on, God is able. One of the most difficult times in the history of the people of God was when they were early into their Egyptian bondage, and Pharaoh began to oppress them, and, they, and Pharaoh put out the decree that they would cast all the boys into the Nile River. You remember that that, that scripture and they're being destroyed and to a couple by the name of Amram and Jochebed chose to keep their child. Exodus 2 tells us they recognized he was a goodly child, and they hid him for three months. And then when they realized they couldn't hide him any longer, they had a moment of faith, and they, they, they took a little bulrush basket, and they pitched it on the inside and the outside with pitch. And it was a great moment of faith when they took their son, whom they called him, uh, they didn't call him Moses, that was named later, but they placed him there in the basket, and they put him on the, in, the, in the Nile River trusting God. Trusted God, trust in God. I'm sure that was the most difficult journey they had ever made, that when they walked from their home in the land of Goshen to the Nile, of, to the Nile River to put their infant son in a, in a basket in a river that is filled with crocodiles and trust him into the hands of God, right? And then the scripture says, though, that while he was in the basket, that Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, came down to, to bathe in the river. On the edge of the river and she heard the sound of a baby crying and the little baby Moses was crying and she went and she drew him up out of the basket and that's where he got his name Moses for I have drawn him out of the water and the Bible says that Moses older sister Miriam which was just a little young girl was watching in the distance and when she saw, when she saw that the princess had Moses, baby Moses in her arms, that she went up to her and she tugged on her little dress and she looked up and she said, she said, princess, do you want me to go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And she said, okay, yeah, that's a good idea because there's no milk in my breast. And so she went back and she told her mother and here come Jacobed with milk in her breast. And she said, I'll nurse the child for you. And the- the princess said, you're talking about something better than the WIC program? The princess said, I will pay you to nurse your own child for you. You can't tell me that's not miracle money. God is a God of miracle money. Hallelujah. When Israel came out of Egyptian bondage, the Bible says they borrowed gold, silver, and jewels from the Egyptians. The Bible says they spoiled the Egyptians. In the wilderness journey, God provided water from a rock, manna from heaven, and quail from the sea. I don't know about you, but quail don't live over the sea. God gave them clothes and shoes that didn't wear away for 40 years. Ruth gleaned in the field of Boaz. And he said, I want you to leave her some handfuls of purpose. And within the next few months, She went from gleaning in the field to marrying the owner of the field, and she herself became the owner of the field. Elijah was fed by ravens beside a brook. Elijah was then sent in 1 Kings chapter number 17 to a city called Zarephath, where God had commanded a widow woman there to sustain him. And when he came there, he found that woman suffering because of the famine that was over the entire region. You know the story, but it bears repeating as I'm getting ready to close today. But just to remind you that God's a God of miracle money. And so he said to the woman, he said, I want you to go and bring me a cup of water. And so she went back to bring him a cup of water, bringing her little impoverished son with her. And he's cried out and he said these words, read it on your own. He said, and by the way, he said, would you make me a cake? Would you make me a little cake and bring it to me because I'm, I'm tired from the journey. And that's when the woman had a meltdown. And that's when she broke down and she told about all of her poverty and how that there was no grass and there was no meal and there was no resources and she had just enough for her son to make one little cake she was going to go and eat it and she was going to die but the man of God had a word in his spirit the way I got a word in my spirit for you today the man of God said go and do like you said but before you give your son a bite of the cake I want you to pat out the cake and bring it to me first I'm telling you if you're ever going to really receive miracle money in your life you got to be willing to obey God even when God asks you to do difficult things and hard things like starting the tithe when you don't hardly have enough to pay your own bills. Oh, let me just go a little farther. He said, bring it to me first. And he said, and if you obey God, I'm here to tell you that God will cause the barrel of meal to not waste away or the cruise of oil to fail until he sends rain upon the earth. The Bible says this she did, and for many days. Come on, you say, Pastor, what's going on in the economy of the United States? I don't know what's going on in the economy of the United States, but I know what, for many days. God's blessing can be on your household. God's blessing can be on your household. My God, I got to just wrap it up today for the sake of time. Elisha, Elisha had a widow woman who didn't have the w- ability to pay her bills. She came to the prophet, what I do? He said, go borrow vessels, not a few. Fill them up with oil, and the oil reproduced right in front of her eyes. He said, go and take it and sell it, pay your debt. God can give you so- There might be something in your house. It was the miracle, and that moment was in her house already. She just needed faith to unlock it. I'm telling you, you let God be creative. God's a creative God. He doesn't always use this and that. He uses all things for his good, or for the, your good and for his glory. Is that right? He does. One of my favorite is I close. I'm going to read some scriptures in closing. I'm going to ask Shane to come back. And, Daryl, y'all play for just a moment because I feel the Holy Spirit here today because I want to pray for people. It's right at noon. we we'll have a culmination of prayer here at this altar. <coughs> but I love that passage of Scripture in 2 Kings. During the days of the famine in Samaria, when the Bible says that they were, <coughs> they were, they were selling dung for silver, Did y'all hear that? They were selling pigeons dung for silver to eat because of the famine. It was so severe. But the Assyrians that had encamped outside the city had all kinds of wealth and resources where they had spoiled numerous nations before they had camped at Samaria. And in the night, God calls them to hear the sound of warriors. And they fled in the night, but nobody knew it. But there were four lepers outside the gate. Hallelujah. Sometimes you might feel like that leper. And that leper said these words. Remember what I said, take control of your own life? The leper said, why should I sit here till I die? Why should I remain in this condition right here? I need to at least do something. You got to start somewhere, church family. They said, if we go here, they might kill us, but at least we're doing something, or let's just go down there. So they went to the camp. And when they did, they found the tents in place, but not a soldier one. And they started going through the tents, and they found food. They, they found steak still on the grill. <laughs> Come on. They found a potluck dinner fellowship already spread, and nobody there to eat it. They found gold and raiment and riches, and God transferred the wealth of the wicked and gave it to the righteous just like that, and God can do it in your life. God can. God's a God of miracle money. Time's failing me to just tell you about this principle, but I believe in it. I believe in it. I want you to believe in it. I want you to believe that in difficult moments in your life, there's a God in heaven. There is, did y'all hear what I'm saying today? I said there is a God in heaven that can provide for you. He's creative because he is Elohim, the creator. And he can cause this or that or he can move these things. Listen to this as I close. Philippians 4:19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Deuteronomy 18, 8 and 18 says, You need to remember the Lord thy God because it is he that gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant in the earth. Deuteronomy 7, Moses said, God will love you and bless you. He will multiply you, he'll bless the fruit of your womb. The fruit of your land your corn your wine your oil and the increase of your cattle and your sheep and the land which he swear to give you you'll be blessed above all people did y'all hear what I'm saying today when I'm reading the Word of God this is written to be, to build faith in your heart to trust God God said he'd give you houses full of good things that you didn't feel and wells dug that you didn't dig and vineyards and olive trees which you didn't plant that you can eat and be full. David said, I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's seed begging bread. God is merciful and he will lend to you and your seed will be blessed. Proverbs said, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase and your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses will burst out with new wine. Two last verses, Matthew 7, Jesus' own words. If you, as he said this to ancient Israel, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to them that ask him? You know, the Bible says we receive not because we ask not. For some reason, we think God's hand is limited. God's hand is not limited. His resources are always full. God can never empty out his resources. It's a part of who he is. If God can never be emptied, his resources can never be empty. Right? Is that, does that make sense to you today? So God always has a supply if you have faith to believe. I said if you have faith to believe, and this is the last verse, and I want you to think about this. I want you to think, Ephesians 3. Now to him that is able... To do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. What do you think of miracle money? Now to him that is able to do abundantly above all that I can even ask or think according to the power that's at work within me. I believe in miracle money today. I believe in God's ability to supernaturally meet your need and supply, supply. Sometimes it's tied to a moment of giving. Sometimes God asks you to do something beyond what you're normally used to doing as a display of faith. And see, some ministries take advantage of that and exploit it, and I'm not going to today. I'm not, I'm not putting the offering container here in front of you and saying, well, if you'll sow a seed into Lee Brown's ministry. I believe in sowing a seed, but that's not what this is about. This is about you simply following God, trusting God. And if God ever tells you to do something, you need to obey him. Right? You need to, be, you need to obey him. But I wanted you to just hear the word of God. My question to you is, can you believe that God is willing and able? Won't you all stand up? Can you believe that God will make a way? Do you believe in miraculous debt cancellation? Do you believe in that? I do. My sin debt was miraculously canceled, right? Do you believe in promotion on the job? Maybe a new job. Maybe sudden favor, just bam, right like, like Ruth. All of a sudden, in the field, there's a big pile right there of blessing just left. And she's just looking around, thinking the reapers are going to come back and get it. And she said, no, we left that for you. That's what God does. That's what God does. Sudden favor, sudden blessing. The key is, do you believe in it? Do you believe in miracle? I do. I do. I'm telling you, I've received it. I've seen it. There for a while, I was keeping a journal of it because I was in a season when God was just blessing. Mama, God, I, just, I, I, I was amazed that it was beyond my normal blessing. It was extraordinary. We call that extraordinary, right? Blessing that was coming to my life. God can bless your life. We've got to believe him for it. You're here today. You're, this is going to take one of the most honest moments that you've ever had in church. Because nobody likes to expose their financial situation. Everybody's very private. Come on. I'm not asking you to tell us anything. I'm just asking you that if you are here and you need a miracle from the Lord in the area of your finances, I just want to ask you to come forward because we want to pray with you right here collectively as a church family. And you know what? That's going to take courage. And it's going to take faith. But I want you to have faith and come forward and believe God. There's no shame in it. There's nothing. I'll I tell you, I, I, I'm going to stand down there and believe God for you. I'm needing a blessing in my life. Hello? Right? Why, why would we be ashamed to call upon the Lord? Why would we be ashamed to say, God, you said you'd open the windows. Isn't that what he said he would do? He said he would. He would bless us. He would bless you. Now, church family, I'm going to ask you to do something with me that is going to stretch you as well. And I know you're trying to hurry, and you want to go eat, and all those things. But listen, that's secondary. This is these are life-changing moments right here. You know that you've received miracle money in your life before, and you give God glory for it. Let me see your hand. All right, who's had it? You say, man, God just brought it. It was there. Wow. Then I want you to come down and connect with somebody right here. Just come alongside them. Add your faith. Add your faith. Add your faith. We're going to pray together. I'm going to anoint each one with oil, and we're going to just pray with, we're going to pray a a prayer.